On today's show, that's one, two, three, four, five straight wins for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Here's how they did it. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use our code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damerell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on production. This is your team every day. We have a loaded week of shows coming up for you, but we're going to start with today's show, which is all about Cleveland's fifth straight win, a 109-91 to win over the Chicago Bulls. That guy got dicey in stretches, but ultimately they get the win. Donovan Mitchell leads the way with scoring Karis LeVert has another solid and off the bench. Sam Merrill with another solid and off the bench. Jared Allen with another double. Double. We'll get to later in the show a couple small bits of Cavs news. But Evan, what's your big takeaway from Cavs Bulls? Um, it's hard to think, but the Cavs are ten and three without Darius Garland and Evan Mobley after that news drop before Christmas, um, 2023. But they just keep finding ways to win, and I think a lot of it is a team-centric apo- approach. They sure do obviously lean on Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen quite a bit. Those are your all-star slash star-caliber players, but it, again, this is just another instance of the Cavs seeing certain dudes step up. This time around, it was Dean Wade who really kind of stood out for me in this performance, but it, it's just encouraging to see the Cavs as a collective playing really well together, and once they get Garland and Mobley back and they kind of have that, you know, adjustment period to having those two back, I, I feel like they are about to hit that 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 gear I've been waiting them maybe for them to start the season with, or at least they're going to hit that next gear that kind of shows to me, okay, are, are you guys ready to get some of the best in the East? And maybe this upcoming game against Milwaukee is a litmus test, but they at least for now just keep finding ways to play like not team-centric basketball, but just find ways to win in pretty impressive fashions. The way that Bickerstaff talked about where they're at post game was that early in the season was choppy early in the season was guys in out of the lineup guys here and there, everything just not totally coming together as a result. And I think to some degree, you could just look at this recent run, the eight and three run that you said, and it's, things have been simplified in some weird way, right? Like the style of play is simplified. They have a very clear vision of what they want to do right now. Mitchell has a very distinct role. All of this is just very direct and straightforward at the current moment. There's something to simplicity. I think they're obviously better when you get Garland and Moby back just because you get your high-end talent back. But Evan, I think you're right in that there is something to the simplicity and that's that simplicity the offensive rebounding the three-point heavy looks that's how you get this win a little sloppy at points and you mm-hmm. let the bulls come back and hang around a little too much but it's about the simplicity in what worked i think that stands out from this game yeah absolutely and i think you, you can excuse some of the sloppiness and some of the just like normal blehness of this game just because 
you know, there's international travel. There's going to be fatigue after the fact. Like, they've been off for quite a while since playing. So, like, there's going to be maybe a little bit of rust with that, too. Uh, Max Struess is a game-time decision, and he was a non-factor on offense. It's clear that maybe he's not still feeling 100%, but he's at least hustling and trying out there. But, um, yeah, uh, at least the Cavs didn't have the unfortunate moniker of joining the Detroit Pistons as the only team that is lost after playing in Paris during this recent stretch of um, NBA Paris games. I don't know how Brooklyn did if they played tonight or not, but uh, the, the Cavs at least don't join the Pistons with that dishonor. I think the other thing just about this game that I think if you just look at where things got a little bit dicey and then what worked, it's just they got a little bit sloppy. Maybe that's fatigue. Maybe that's just lacking... I think Garland's control at times or just a little bit of the structure. Maybe just there is some variance built in when you take 57 threes, which we'll get to with, with the wards and, and all of that. But the fourth quarter, they then turn it around in a big way. They lose the third quarter by 11, and then they win the fourth quarter by 15. They held Chicago to 14 points in the fourth quarter. 14 points is not a lot. Donovan Mitchell had seven on his own in that quarter, and Lavert had nine on his own in the quarter. Those guys by themselves outscore Chicago. Chicago ends that quarter leading for 35 seconds after getting all the way back and making this a game, and they only they shoot 33%, 31.3% from the field, and their comeback just dies right there. Cleveland's defense, really good in the fourth. Offense, pretty darn good in the fourth. Not overall. If you look at just raw percentages, you know, the sharpest Cavs game, 41% from the field, 35 from three. That's a little bullet. That's eh, overall from the field and about average from three, but that's enough. And the way they're playing, like the way they are playing right now, that kind of performance against a lesser team is enough. I, am, I don't think this is the kind of look that will, they'll need to give more than this, I think, overall against Milwaukee on Wednesday. And then when they see them later in the month, depending on what their health is at by then, but it's this is the kind of performance that is more than good enough to beat the Bulls, even if there's some things on the edges you'd like to kind of get rid of out of the portfolio. Yeah, of course. I think this game was far from perfect. Um, the, the, like you said, there's just some some stuff that the, the Cavs can correct when they break down the film and just kind of figure out, okay, this is what worked for us. This is what didn't work. We adjust course correct and kind of maybe start fine-tuning these things that um, didn't work in this game, but maybe we have evidence of in the past where we want to start making it work just because of our personnel and what we have available. But yeah, like this Bulls team isn't very good. I think they made it interesting, especially former Cavs big man Andre Drummond made things interesting for a hot second. But um, I I think it's also encouraging, at least just given the circumstances, this Cavs team continues to show that they can bend, but they don't totally break in some matchups. Like they can find ways to just kind of maintain composure like you said the lack of Darius Garland in moments was certainly palpable in this game just in terms of not having some composure at times in offense but the the Cavs are able to continue benefiting from maybe a softer patch in their schedule as things start to heat up with like the the Bucks and then the Clippers soon after on the horizon Um, and so just being able to string together wins against these lesser opponents and also just maintain composure against these lesser opponents when things get tight it is encouraging, especially just because like th- this team did not handle adversity well, at least to start the year, and they especially didn't handle adversity well when last season ended in the playoffs. 
also helps that you had the best player on the floor. Donovan Mitchell, the best player in this game. Big night from 34, 11-21 from the field, 8-8 of from the line, 4-10 from 3, 7 assists, 2 turnovers. He'll come up again, for me at least, in segment 2. But that, that at the very least, I think, Evan, is, is probably, the to me, if you want to simplify what has worked over this five-game winning streak, the play style, as much as it is about the accessory pieces and how you've gotten good minutes from Sim Merrill and Karis LeVert and whatnot, none of that, I think, is possible without Mitchell providing you some kind of structure to lean back on at the end of the day. No. No, I mean, it's it's a formula that's simple, as we have said several times, but it makes sense. Lean on your stars and then let the role players accentuate those stars. You're not asking the stars to do 100% of everything for all 48 minutes of a game. But I think for me, it's clear that Mitchell, after dealing with some of that hamstring stuff at the start of the season, just kind of the random aches and pains and bumps and bruises he was dealing with, he's healthy. And I think he's finding his groove and his gear on offense for the Cavs. And as you had noted, like the Cavs lean on him quite a bit. I think they lean on Jared Allen quite a bit too, but Mitchell was exemplary in this game against the Bulls, and he definitely deserves a shout-out. Like you said, he was the best player on the floor for either team tonight or in this game. After this, we're going to do our game awards. That's MVP, that's stat of the night, that's play event. That's coming up after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace medical i know we come to sports we come to the show to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life but can we talk for just a minute about preparing for real life according to the fda pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade this is scary and if someone you know were to get sick i'm sure you can imagine how stressful it could be for them not to get the medication due to a supply chain issue thankfully will be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will then be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It has never been more important to be prepared than today. So go to jacemedical.com and use our offer code LOCKDOWN to get $20 off your order. Let's do awards. Evan, I, mine's Mitchell uh, for MVP. He is the best player on this team. Everything emanated from him. He had 34. No one else comes close to him in terms of points. Jared Allen beats him in terms of single game plus minus although you know obviously that's there's a limiting kind of limiting stat in some of that but Mitchell was great in this game he had moments where he needed to step up and tied some gaps and he was also off the floor when this game got out of hand he goes to the bench in the third quarter they're up 11 mm-hmm. it's a by the time he comes back it is eight points lower and the Bulls are within three and then ultimately take lead with Mitchell on the floor but that initial comeback run comes with Mitchell off Mitchell's not there to stop and score and respond. So for me, this this game is about Donovan Mitchell being the best darn player on the floor for either team. Yeah, he was awesome this game. And my MVP pick's a little different just because of his individual performance kind of standing out for just in the grand scope of how he's looked this season. But Mitchell, time and again, has been the best player for the Cavs. As even when Darius Garland was healthy, there was moments when Mitchell just, even before this season as well, where he stood out as the best player on the floor. But like, yeah, great shout. He was phenomenal in this game on either end. And I think the the best note is the fact that like things got out of hand for the Cavs when he wasn't on the floor, which 
you want to try and maybe ride those waves and afford those opportunities allow Mitchell to rest but I think that really does crystallize how significant his play on either end of the floor was for the Cavs against Chicago and who's your MVP uh, Dean Wade um, we saw him rip quite a few three pointers in this game I'm gonna double check how many he took but it was very encouraging to see Dean Wade kind of stand out for the first time in a while just because he has had a lot of just bleh performances or no sure performances you you and I were talking about how like when this team is fully healthy he took t- all of his attempts for three pointers he took 10 of them against Chicago made four of them but we talked about how like when this team's fully healthy like he's maybe fighting with Craig Porter Jr. and Sam Merrill for minutes well if he wants to get a leg up on either those two, those two, one, because he has the trust of J.B. Bickerstaff, but two, he's a four that shoots threes. If he has nights like these, like the, it makes it an easier decision for Bickerstaff to lean on Wade versus some of these other guys. And this is kind of just what you want from Gene Wade. You get the rebounding, you get some of the switchability on defense, but just most of all, he's a big who can take and make three-pointers, or make and take three-pointers, rather, and... This is a really good example of it. I think he benefited from just the open looks he was getting and just the playmaking the Cavs were doing and having in general. And he wasn't passing up their shots, which is just really nice to see. And he hoped to see more of it down the, uh, or not down, but at least in these upcoming games. He got to let loose when this game was a little closer to out of hand because he took two shots early and then he doesn't take a shot for a while. He does the Dean Wade thing where he doesn't do a bunch. Yeah. And then he gets to take a couple shots late. He has three threes in the fourth quarter and the first one was it was funny because like it's late in the shot clock and he just like had to hoist it and then almost unlock something for him you want him to like if he's gonna play seven minutes and shoot three threes that's obviously like a high end of what he's likely gonna do on on most nights but that's the attitude you need him to play with more than not so shout out to dean wade for that let's go to need him to rip it yeah go ahead need him to just not just let it fly whether it's gonna go in or not taking threes like, Max Struess is an example of take threes and make at least average number of them, which I think Dean Wade can, and teams will respect you, and you'll, you'll add, be additive as far as value on the court. All right, stat of the night. For me, the Cavs took 57 threes. It's a new season high. It's a lot of three-pointers that gets them, I mean, in some of the higher end, how many threes teams have taken overall in terms of league history, but 57 threes for Cleveland, a new high. Didn't even need to make a ton of them, but you. this is the extreme of this identity they've really put together the last several weeks. Well, yeah, it is the extreme of it. They lost this game. I, I wonder if they'd run an audit just because of the volume of the threes they made versus the refs called. But no, this is a good pick. Um, I think it's impressive that a lot of their assists on tonight's game were on these three-pointers that they made. And I mean, they took quite a bit of them, but like you wonder like if they made even more threes, like holy cow, what would the assist numbers be? But yeah, like you said, this is like an extreme version of what we saw in the preseason and what we what this team really is now just because of the existing personnel and just what is working for them offensively. And it's it's nice. You hope to maybe see a heavier dose of three-pointers when Mobley and Garland are back. Of course, these numbers aren't going to be the same way every single night, but this is that modern approach you're kind of hoping for. Where like The defense is more than solid enough to keep a team arm, opposing team's arm's length away, but the three-point attack really can seal that deal to ensure like a team will be playing catch-up the entire night. With What's your stat? My stat of the night is the Gaz have won five in a row. They are 10-3 and three without Garland and Mobley in this weird stretch. And most impressively to me is they're only two and a half 
uh, back of Philadelphia for the third seed in the East right now. I know Philly won tonight, but then the Cavs won soon after, so it remains neck and neck. But um, it's just a weird thought or wait thing to say out loud, just considering how dire um, the circumstances felt when Garland and Mobley were ruled out just because they were on a bit of a slide. They just got embarrassed in Boston. But I think that really just is testament to like J.B. Bakerstaff has his finger on the pulse of this team. This team is responding very well and not really letting the adversity or the situation kind of weigh them down. And they're playing really good basketball and they could have a realistic shot to have a top three record in the East if they keep the style of play and just this level of play up. What's your play tonight? Um, I think we're going to have the same one, or at least a similar one. Um, Donovan Mitchell, like 8.20-ish left in the fourth quarter. Showed a lot of athleticism and control at the same time with an and one attempt where he had a you want to call it a floater layup, whatever, but it was attacking the basket. It was an and one play, but like a lot of control in that situation. And it just continues to impress him, impress me how poised he is despite like running so red hot and like just being so quick and twitchy and athletic. But like in that moment, like you saw like all of what Donovan Mitchell's really good at scoring wise when it comes to attacking the basket and just that like one little vignette. And I'm like, yeah, that's fun. That was a fun play. That's one of the ones you could go with. I think his core shines in moments like that he has superpowers as a player that are based on his balance his footwork and his ability with his really long arms to kind of use his core to maintain balance and whip over the ball and kind of unlock angles that i think otherwise just would not be open to him i have two other ones max Drews had a block in this game uh late in this game that was really big there's a sam merrill lob to tristan thompson in the second quarter that stood out but was a really nice pass from merrill and a good finish from thompson my answer is just going to ultimately be Karis LeVert hits a three with 9.27 to go. That felt like it stopped the bleeding. It puts them back up for good, ultimately, up by two in that moment. Shout out to Karis LeVert, I think, in that moment for just holding down the fort and kind of stepping into this role you kind of He's needed him to do. Played really well lately and just really well in general. I think the 16, 7, and 7 should not be understated either. Like, He's been highly impactful as Cleveland's six-man. and I do think a lot that he like says that I, I'm you can tell he's maybe has like a sense of relief that he has a more defined role with this team. And I think credit where credit's due, JP Bickerstaff is sticking to that. We're like common sense would say start Levert at this point, but no. Just with the injuries they're dealing with at certain positions, but nope, Bickerstaff keeps him at the six man spot and he's really thriving in that position. He also I think is just there is just something to the idea again that his role is now simplified with there's no garland there's one less ball handler they're not playing craig porter jr therefore i think you get a version of levert who i think is just a little more organically fit into exactly what he's best at and most comfortable at and i think that is that has helped and what that means going forward is a whole other question but right now you you ride with it you enjoy it are coming up after this two bits of news one on darius garland and his possible return of this month and then Tristan Thompson back in an old jersey number that it and that just feels right. We'll talk about those bits of news after this. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and there's time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar money line bet that's a hundred and fifty bucks in bonus bets win or lose the app is so easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet like live saving game parlays you can find bets in their new explore tab you can make a parlay in the parlay hub 
the best way to find popular parlays is right there in that Parlay Hub and much, much more. You can visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL and the official sportsbook of LockedOn. They'll have Cavs, Bucks odds, they'll have Cavs, Hawks odds for this weekend, a whole bunch coming to FanDuel. Check them out. And again, go to FanDuel.com backslash LockedOn for that awesome welcome offer. All right, we are back here. Let's finish up with some news. Evan, let's start with Darius Garland, who, according to J.B. Bickerstaff, was going around Paris with a blender and because he's on a liquid diet with his jaw injury. And as his teammates and the team was eating at really nice restaurants in Paris, France, he was drinking out of... He was drinking blended meals to get himself through it. That's really tough. I feel for Darius in that specific way. But... Team uh, seems to expect him back by the end of the month. He is now working out pregame. This is the second game in Cleveland in a row. He has worked out pregame uh, with some people on the team. And it seems like he might have gotten his jaw wire taken out. It was reported by Cleveland.com's Chris Fedor that that was going to happen Monday. JB did not confirm that one where the other pregame, but he had a tweet up. Garland put a tweet up that makes you think that the wire is out. And it seems yeah. like we are inching towards a Darius Garland return. So... To your point about the tweet, um, I did ask about it. I'm like, does that mean his wire is taken on? Because it was kind of cryptic. You don't know what it meant. But yeah, the wire got taken on. I'm curious to see or learn rather um, what his first meal was like post wire removal. Because yeah, that, that that is unfortunate. You're in one of the food capitals of the world. And you know, you're probably eating at like Michelin star restaurants and things like that as a team. And you're kind of like you said, forced or JP said forced to carry blended meals around with you or have like blended meals served to you instead whether it's smoothies or like a combination of smoothies broth and like actually blended food like baby food quality stuff but um yeah uh now you just got to make sure he's in good enough basketball shape to play on the floor and i think like bickerstaff told me the biggest concern is his playing weight because you're gonna drop weight no matter what because of this because you're not able to eat conventional food and maybe get all the nutrients or just like what matters most when you're eating like more of like a um chewed diet versus a liquid diet but um yeah we'll we'll see when he comes back i doubt it's against milwaukee on wednesday obviously or on this upcoming four game or chip they have but who knows maybe there's an opportunity at some point for him to get back to the floor but hopefully it's sooner rather than later and then hopefully evan mobley's in Fairly decent shape because we're creeping up on his uh, reevaluation slash like end of timeline the Cavs put out there. And they are a team that errs on the side of caution. But if you can get those two back, like either like right after, or right, like at least in Mobley's case, like right after the All Star break, like that's not a bad place to be um, considering this Cavs team, like I said in the first segment, feels like they're starting to hit that next gear and kind of take a bit of a stride um, just to, as they are like play wise. We we are right now at four and a half weeks since Darius Garland and Evan Mobley were ruled out. Again, the Cats are 10-3 and three over that stretch. Garland is was initially expected to miss about a month, and so we're about there with him. We'll see what that looks like, if it's five weeks, six weeks, whatever. Mobley was initially six to eight weeks, so you're another week and a half away. So early February, right around the trade deadline, is the earliest you would perhaps see him, and we'll see. The other bit of news is much less... Ultimately, 
impactful to the broader scope of the season. But I mean, I got to tell you, it feels right that Tristan Thompson is back in wearing number 13. I get why he wasn't wearing it. I get how that all happens. It's, you know, Ricky Rubio is wearing three. He gets traded for Karis Silver. Karis Silver takes three. Rubio comes back. He takes 13. Tristan Thompson comes back. He gets 12. You're not going to take the guy who's away from the team due to mental health. You're not just going to rip his number away and give it to someone else, even if it's Tristan Thompson. But now that Rubio is officially gone, this just feels right. And it, it just like looks right that he's wearing number 13 again. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't surprising that they were going to make the switch eventually. Um, I was kind of wondering like when it would happen rather than not if it would happen, but yeah, I, it, it just makes sense. It feels more right. It feels more appropriate just because like that's, he started his career at the Cavs as 13. He wore 13 with Texas. I'm pretty sure he was at the Canadian national team as well. Like mm-hmm. it's a number that stuck with him his entire life. Like I know he said, uh, huh. Well, he joked 13 wasn't available when asked why he picked 12. Then he said he wore 12 and like, I don't know, like high school, high school. school. Okay. So he did wear it at some point, but like, at least for like the Cleveland, like aesthetic quote unquote, um, that this, this is nicer, at least to look at, um, and enjoy. And yeah, maybe it could have impacts on the uh, season. Maybe it makes Thompson turn back the clock even further than he has already this year. Yeah. He's the eighth guy in the rotation. He's clearly the backup center. This has been such a fun random storyline out of nowhere to have him back and, still, and playing still well within Cleveland. Still believe it's real that he is the backup center for this team. I, it, I'm, yeah. I'm surprised that like the, the like Damian Jones not working out didn't surprise me that much just because like he flamed out with the Warriors and Lakers already and like wasn't doing great with the Jazz either but um, Thompson just like stepping in and stepping up and being the backup guy for Cleveland like yeah that that's always going to be like a thing for they, you can be an NBA team or any organization, I think, and you can plan and say like, okay, we identified this guy within our budget and it makes sense and it's the younger guy and all this stuff and you plan and it's just not, sometimes just not going to work for whatever reason. It just doesn't work and your coach doesn't trust the guy and you signed Tristan Thompson a week before the season started and he's your backup center. And if you told me right now that they brought him back next year to do something very similar and be a locker room guy who plays here and there and is decent enough and probably is in your playoff rotation, but is something for you. The, the, the chaining fry this I mean, team. But it's, it's like, even like ch- late chaining fry like, gave you fun too much. at least like it yeah. was at least the locker room guy like for that team. Like he was able to give you stuff during the regular season, but like in the postseason, like even in the LeBron heydays, like Channing was phased out of the rotation almost entirely when the po- playoffs started. But like, he was that locker room guy who was able to give you some meaningful minutes in the regular season, but he's a dude that can hold everyone together. Obviously different styles of leadership. I think Tristan's a lot more in your face. I think they're both loud and kind of, you know, obnoxious in the nicest way possible, but like Tristan's a little bit more grittier and in your face about it. And I think is more comfortable yelling at guys and holding them accountable. Or rather like Channing was kind of better just being the guy who's like, Fine with being like the butt of jokes and stuff, but because he knows like laughter is going to bring everybody together at the end of at to the to the same seat at the table at the end of the day. We're going to end there. Cavs beat the Bulls one hundred nine to ninety one. Winners of five straight five ten and three without Garland and Mobley in the lineup. We'll see if Garland's back soon. We'll see if Mobley's back a little bit after that. But another good one for Cleveland. They are next up against the Milwaukee Bucks on Wednesday. Before that, we'll have a show up looking at Darius Garland's return. 
Think of this conversation we just had about Darius as a teaser for a bigger episode, where he's at in the recovery, what he needs to be when he comes back, and where he was when he left. All of that and more on the next episode of Lockdown Cavs. Then back at you, obviously, to recap Cavs Bucks late Wednesday, early Thursday. Until then, I'm Chris. That's Evan. Thanks again to Jake Stevens. Be well, everybody. <laughs>